0: If God exists, then why is there so much evil and suffering in the world? This is the number one question people ask when considering the existence of God. When contemplating this, however, we are immediately met with a preceding question, a question that must be answered before resolving the existence of God. And that question is, how did we as human beings arrive at the notion of the existence of evil? Absent the existence of God, we rely on the theory of evolution to explain our place in this collection of matter that we call the universe. Universal common ancestry is a central pillar of evolutionary theory. It claims that life, all life, evolved from one single-celled organism. From that organism, the birds of the air, the beasts of the earth, the fish of the sea, and ultimately human beings evolved. This is where we encounter a major collision between theology and evolutionary theory. Of the four categories of animate life I just mentioned, only one is classified as a moral being. The other three are classified as amoral beings, meaning their actions and behaviors are not judged as right or wrong, good or evil. This distinction cannot quickly be swept under the rug or disregarded. The claim here is that for millions of years, life evolved from one species to another, to another, to another, and so on. What's remarkable about this theory is that for millions of years, evolution seemed to be exclusively physiological in nature. And then, in evolution's final major physiological leap, another layer of transformation was added, that of sociological evolution. Life took a tremendous leap forward from an amoral species to a moral species, so that humans are now bound by a moral code with all of the accompanying repercussions of immoral behavior. Whereas, just a species prior, this immoral behavior was passed off as nature or natural selection. The conflict, then, is that if we as humans are now qualified to pass judgment on the rest of our species based on a collective set of morals, which are themselves often in conflict with competing sets of morals. If we are truly qualified to judge good and evil, then why don't we leverage our moral high ground to pass judgment on our evolutionary ancestors? Why don't we put animals on trial with a jury of their peers and lock them up for crimes of misdemeanors and felonies? Simply put, humans don't judge animals because animals are not humans and humans aren't animals there is something distinctly and profoundly different about humanity that sets us apart from the rest of the created order. Theology highlights the concept of humans being created in the image of God as the source of this distinction. Contained within the broader meaning of the image of God is a moral image, specifically God's moral nature. God is a moral being, knowing good from evil. So humans having been created in God's image, are also moral beings. So now we are taken back to our preceding question, the question that must be answered before we consider the existence of God. And that is, how did we as humans arrive at the notion of the existence of evil? First, we acknowledge and recognize evil for what it is, because we were created as moral beings able to discern good from evil. This reality forces us to address our original question of the existence of God. The existence of evil cannot legitimately be explained apart from a moral standard. And a moral standard cannot legitimately be established apart from an absolute moral authority, someone who is morally perfect, who alone can define what constitutes good and what constitutes evil. Theology concludes that the God of the Bible is the absolute moral authority. So where does that leave us? Where do we go from here with this information? If evil truly exists, and if the only reasonable and logical explanation for evil is the presence of morality, And if morality cannot exist apart from an absolute moral authority, and if theology concludes that the God of the Bible is the absolute moral authority, and if we were created in the image of God, then don't we now have an obligation to seek out and learn about this God, if for no other reason than to learn more about who we are as humans? Who created us? What does He expect of us? What is our purpose? Where do we go when we die? These questions and more are answered by theology the queen of the sciences, as it's been called. We get the term theology from two Greek words, theos, meaning God, gods, or divine, and logos, meaning word, words, or thoughts. So theology literally means thoughts or words about God. Theology is the study of God and the deep questions of life. Now that we know what theology is, the next question is How do we study, learn, or practice theology? Good, sound theology is the product of three fundamental disciplines. The first is honesty. Specifically, we must be honest with ourselves by acknowledging that we as individuals have been shaped by the unique circumstances and surroundings of our upbringing. That is the cause of who we are. The effect are the presuppositions that determine and influence how we perceive and interpret the world around us. Practicing good theology means admitting that we see the world differently than others and acknowledging that our perspective, our view of the world, may not align with God's view or God's perspective. The second discipline is unity. The Bible is one volume comprised of 66 books, written by many people over a period of about 1,500 years. Yet, the Bible is unified in its message, agreeable in its content. Sound theology is rooted in and emerges from the unity of the Bible. This unified message is revealed in the accurate translation and interpretation of its content. Accurate interpretation is achieved by zooming in on a narrow portion of Scripture and then slowly zooming out so that the part is interpreted by the whole. The third discipline is practicing originalism, which is a legal discipline that is determined to interpret documents as they were originally understood at their time of writing. Applying that discipline to theology means that we understand that the Bible and the individual books within it were written to and for a specific audience at a particular time in history in a time-locked and geographical-bound culture. Because of this, we are obligated, in order to practice good theology, to define words and sentences and paragraphs and chapters and books based on the writer's original intent and the understanding of the original audience. These three disciplines—honesty, unity, and originalism will ultimately produce good, sound theology. Theology that can help us answer life's deepest questions. Questions like, Who is God? What is He like? What is my purpose? Where did I come from? Where do I go when I die? How can I find joy? How can I be saved? Finally, if there is only one message you hear from me today, it's this. Jesus loves you and has a remarkable plan for your life.